Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is uh, Oz Juicy Junkie here. And I'm Tasty Toeball. And I'm the one that sounds like Seth Rogen. And I'm the innocent sounding one. And uh, you all can lick my rim while I suck on Toeball's balls. I don't have balls. Well, then I'll do something else. And, and by that, you'll know that this is the Brohio podcast. <laughs> okay. Never mind. All right, everybody. This is not the Brohio podcast. This is the uh, Creative Writing Podcast episode. Well, you tell me. It's 250-something. Uh, we're heading toward 260 here real quick. We got some news, some reviews, and we'll talk about some new shoes. Coming up on... We won't talk about that at all. We'll, no, until we're shaking his head. Yeah, he won't even dignify my answer with a no. Um, yeah, so... Calm down, <laughs> you idiot. Okay, okay. <laughs> Point taken. All right. Well, we're going to get into this episode, and we got a lot of talked about, a lot of talked about, so talked about some more. Bye. Welcome. Just fucking roll it, Tobor. This is ridiculous. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, America's best motorcycle podcast. Hey, there's a bunch of asterisks behind that. <laughs> Never mind. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to learn how you can support the show yourself. Now, let's get cracking. Roll on the throttle, blip the brakes, tighten the air cleaner, check the crankshaft, and don't spill your coffee. Hey, this is the ghost of some famous motorcycle guy. You're listening to Creative Writing Podcast, the one podcast that proves you're a true asshole. Asshole. All right, then. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is uh, Junkie, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, episode two, I don't know, Tobor 250-something. I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, I, I know we're approaching 260, so we're getting we're getting up there. Uh, yeah, hey everybody, welcome, and uh, this is uh, your venerable host, your venerable disease-ridden host. What? Did you write that on your tobor? This guy's from uh, Nokomotive and pranking us again. Anyway, listen, before we even start this show, I've uh, started recording and started blabbing about a whole bunch of stuff. Luckily, Tobor cut me off and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you get into the show, let's talk about this disclaimer. Each week we have a disclaimer on this show, and it goes like this. The views and the opinions of the most uh, creative and most podcast are those of the participants do not reflect the policy position opinions of creative. It's not sensitive anything even can hammer if you understood that, <laughs> you got you have excellent ears, my friend. I'm great at mumbling. Uh, let me try that again. The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants do not reflect the policy position opinions of Creative, creative Writing, Moto One Podcast Network, or our affiliates, or any opinion of the respective participants is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even can am. Writers. Yes, Can-Am writers. I've been looking at a lot of Can-Am stuff lately. So much. So much off-road. And a few on-roads, by the way. And, uh, yeah, so everybody, uh, we got that. We got the word of the week coming up. We got a few things to discuss before we get into our main topic. Hope you are all doing wonderful. Um, 
It's been great riding. Uh, it has been unseasonably hot. I know I mentioned uh, at some point that this is uh, uh, like the, an armpit at Gold's Gym. And uh, if you're feeling the same right now, man, then yeah, let me know. But it's been crazy hot here in uh, this part of SoCal. Usually it's kind of a dry heat, but it's been muggy. And that always adds an uncomfortable tinge. I feel like, you know, people in Florida are like, wee, 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 you know, we riding this all year round and then have it rain on you. So I'm not going to complain, but I am going to say, dang, it was a whopper and uh, I've been riding out in it. Not fun. Not fun. So tonight we are not in the uh, Moto One Podcast Studios here in the uh, the Burbank building out uh, our, our studio is adjacent to the workspace and the uh, area where, where we film our OnlyFans, and we are not out there right now because it is overwhelmingly hot. We are here in the lounge, so if you hear a little bit of an echo, you, we're not recording in the bathroom, if that's what you think. I mean, I know most people think, hey, creative writing podcast belongs in the bathroom, and that junkie guy, his voice sounds like a turd and probably should be in the bathroom. Yeah, and I did that just for you, the person that's thinking that. But no, we're not in the bathroom. I'm just yelling at a flat wall here, and so <laughs> we don't have uh, our normal studio, nice sound insulated booth that we normally record in. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie and tell you that it's um, air conditioned. It is not. Sweltering out there. So anyway, everybody, enough about the nothing about enough about the booth and recording conditions. Uh, what about the listening conditions? Where you are at? Are your ear holes sweating right now, or are your ear holes nice and cool? Uh, I hope it's the latter of the two. We got a new word of the week this week. If you're brand new to the show, guess what? You done tuned in to the wrong motherfucker. I'll tell you that much. Uh, what's gonna happen is we have a word of the week. And I have a random word generator. The word is, I have no syllables. I have no presets. Just go give me the random word. I like to keep it real. All right. The word that it kicked out this week, I have no presets, you know, nothing that would influence the outcome. But demonstrator is the word that has come out. So demonstrator. Uh, We're going to try to, well, if we use this word this week, go ahead and scream and shout, smash us in the face. Hit like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff that people do. Uh, but demonstrator, wow! How can we use this? Uh, hmm. How can we use this in a? Whew. Well, listen, listen. Why don't we we demonstrate how to be creative writers and how to be creative individuals and say, listen, go out there and build your your dreams, build your custom bike, do it tonight. Email, <laughs> email us on the show. Yeah, listen, I'm going to demonstrate some sanity right now. I just quit talking. I'm a total idiot, but that goes without saying. Anyways, we got a lot of other cool stuff to get into the uh, get into this week. So let's quit talking about the word demonstrator. But uh, speaking of demonstrating and being cool and creative on next week's show, uh, we're going to have an interview that we got uh, last night and uh, it's going to be phenomenal. It is about someone who has been very uh, creative. It is a true creative writer and has demonstrated some 
I don't know, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, fabrication and uh, learning skills. So that ought to be fun. Stick around for that next week. Uh, this week, man, did you get out to the OC Vintage Bike um, to see the, uh, what was it? The uh, the Blatt's Cornhole that won? I think it was a 1953 Blatt's. Um, yeah, the Cornhole 553. And it was a phenomenal looking bike. OC Vintage Bike has a lot of cool stuff there. From You'll find stuff from the 20s all the way to the uh i don't know like you know 80s i'm gonna say um speaking of which like thinking of what in 1920 what was a vintage bike already something that had been built around 1901 so like a triumph or a royal enfield or something or like one of those 1886 or 89 whatever that first uh stutton droister the uh safety cycle <laughs> who made that thing was it de leon or something De Onion. Oh, I feel like it's De Onion. Yeah. De Onion was the company that made that uh, first safety bike. And uh, also the uh, the Splats Blurtmeister. That was terrible. Wooden, wooden motorcycle, no suspension. <laughs> All right. Anyways, yeah. What would have been a vintage... If you had a vintage bike show in 1920, what the hell would have been at it? You know? I don't know. Here's a horse on two unicycles. That's my vintage bike. All right. Uh, yeah, so OC Vintage Bike happened this week. Tobor, am I blasting people's eardrums out? Am I coming at negative six where people like to hear it? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, I am. Okay, good. Uh, so yeah, that happened this week. I'm going to turn myself down. I feel like you're lying to me, Tobes. I know how you hate humans and you hate motorcycles, so I feel like you're sabotaging. Uh, or you turn the compression all the way up? Is that what you did? Yeah, okay. Robots shouldn't really mess with the uh, the mixer. This is for humans. I know you can analyze, you can spectrum analyze sound in a way that I can't even see it. But listen, humans have to listen to this. If if I was a fax machine, or if I was like talking to a fax machine, you could put all the hisses and gobbledygook in here. But we're gonna blow some folks' ears eardrums out. So just chill, bro. All right, thank you. Uh, so yeah, anyway, also happening or happened this weekend was the King of the Baggers finale. And I guess I should figure out who... I, I watched the clips and I can't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Harley Davidson won. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they took the, the three-race championship. You just had to win one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and have one, a guy crash out. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was Harley Davidson that won the championship this year. So they won two out of three races. Um, and... I don't remember if it's Kyle Wyman or Tyler O'Hara. I'm pretty sure it's Kyle Wyman, but since I don't know, I'm going to say Tyler O'Hara. No, Kyle O'Hara on the um, Harley Davidson Challenger. There, I've covered all my bases just in case I'm wrong about all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, so the Harley Davidson Challenger came in first place with uh, Kyle O'Hara on it, and uh, it was a great race. Great, great race. Um, Motorcycle racing in general has been fantastic this year. Uh, if you're paying attention to um, Moto America, it's been really fun watching guys like Andy Debrino race against uh, you know some of the other um, you know he he was uh, I don't think I recorded this on the last show because I think this happened between recordings, but uh, at the Ridge up there I believe it's in Washington State he was. Uh, Andy Debrino was out front and running pretty good. I think they first, uh, I forget who was in first. Was it Jake Gagne? I, I, uh, I feel like he was out, 
front and then he uh something happened mechanical i don't remember exactly what but andy debrina was out front for a long time after that and holding everybody off on an older zx10 i believe because everybody else was on those new zx10s that look kind of like mad skeletons uh and so it was just really fun watching somebody that you've seen succeed in drifting he does drift he's like travis pastrana basically of uh, motorcycle racing he's done well, when I very first uh, started following Eddie Debrino, he was doing um, Almora races in Oregon, uh, road racing. Then I then he was doing motocross a little bit here and there. Then he was doing flat track, but not um, he was doing hooligan flat track. But then eventually he got his uh, pro singles license. And then he's doing road racing again. Then he's doing some motocross again. Uh, and the one he's always done like the one flat track racing i think so he's been all over the board but he's just a fast fella um and he in his own right is going from a dude that has a pet zebra and just lived a weird life in in oregon to a uh, semi-professional everything else or like travis pastrana you know he's doing it all he's getting into four wheels now too so it's really cool to see somebody that you've been following for a little bit uh getting into this um and, and actually being out front for a little bit until things start to fade. And then those new people on their prepped uh, 21 ZX-10Rs, the Mad Skeleton ones, yep, they started catching up to him, slowly eating them, gobbling them up. So anyway, that was uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, what else happened uh, between then and this week was, uh, oh yeah, Jake Gagne, you know, Laguna Seca, just fabulous racing, fabulous rounds. Um and all the, the boys from South Africa that are in first and second place. So we got some Africans uh, in the top tens. We got, I think, a Spaniard. Loris Baz was doing pretty good. So an Italian. No, Loris Baz is French, I think. Uh, he's on Ducati. I think that's why I said Italian. But anyway, yeah, a lot of nationalities racing here in the States. I think it's awesome. And the racing has been phenomenal. So, yeah, if you get a chance, check that out. If you don't have... Um, you know, half the crap that you need to watch it, uh, go over and check out the Moto America YouTube. They they do the races there as well, so it's pretty awesome. Thank you, Moto America. Uh, also this week, uh, live streamed this weekend, like uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I forget exactly what days, Goodwood Festival of Speed was going on, so that was fun to watch live. That was so amazing. Uh, lots of cool, uh, mostly cars, but I stayed up late watch the bikes uh that was pretty cool um so yeah the goodwood festival of speed if you're not familiar with that that's where they uh ride up a hill at somebody's mansion i think um what else has been going on i feel like there's so much more that's been going on and i just uh, i'm missing it right now so uh, upcoming events we will have for you in a second and we'll talk about that um but patrons i did want to say thank you to our patrons uh, I will be sending your stuff. I know I said on the last episode that it went out Tuesday, I or it was going to go out Tuesday. I checked um, my mail, and I did not want to... Uh, I had a packages coming for our um, uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge Riders, and I did not want to uh, send two packages because a lot of the patrons were also Motorcycle Podcast Challenge Riders. So, uh, yeah, I didn't want to send two packages out to half the folks in there. So, uh, that, and we got a new patron and, uh, we are coming up on for 15 minutes. Let's take a quick break and we'll talk about that afterwards. Great writing. Mm, what's that smell? 
they're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby, though, if that's what you were thinking. Crider's leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Crider's is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Crider's today, and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin. Crider's, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Crider's now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Crider's Leathers. All right, everybody. Thank you, Crider's, and thank you, uh, Fist Puppies and RP Enterprises, being a longtime supporter of the show and sponsor hey listen let's go through um this show by the way uh as well as being brought to you by um edible dog meat and leathers made of roadkill uh is also mostly made possible by our lovely patrons and i wanted to give a shout out to these fools um we got a brand new patron which is very exciting for me the c brown general store we're not gonna say the patron's uh, full name, but yeah, C. Brown General Store. Thank you for becoming the newest patron. Um, also, another reason why I kind of held off on sending uh, out the uh, the packages last week is because we got a new patron and I want to get everything together and get it out. So we, that will be going out uh, probably tomorrow. Um, yeah, so patrons, thank you so much. We got some good stuff in the mail coming to you. Uh, and new international shipping laws to the EU, which I did not know. So we have one uh, patron over in the UK, and I think I might need to use some weird code now. Uh, pardon me, for a VAT um, on goods and services. How about you just tell them this? Tell them, hey, Junkie only sends bads. He doesn't send no goods. So honestly, I don't think we need to charge an extra VAT. <laughs> so anyways, so thank you to C. Brown General Store, our newest patron, um, for becoming part of this crazy group. Uh, always love to have new people on and share what we're doing. Um, Jay from the UK, uh, Philip B., not old Philip, our former patron, but this is the other Philip. Uh, John H., Chuck W., Danger D., Danger Dan, uh, Chad C., Narissa C., Jerry F., my motorbike obsessions who is over in japan skateboarding his heart out and doing some really sweet stuff on a honda cub if you go check that out uh paul smith and lance p that tops out our current patrons thank you all 12 of you for making this show 
possible. Your 88 cent donation. Just kidding. These guys, these guys spend way too much on this show. We love our patrons and everyone will be getting something in the mail soon. Or I just may shoot it out of a cannon if you live close enough. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, what's been going on with me? And uh, before we get into uh, our topics on this show, what's been going on with old crazy junkie? I've been riding around like crazy. It's been so cool riding here. Well, not literally. It's been literally really hot. But it's been awesome riding around and seeing all the fun stuff. I just ran into this dude the other day cruising on this little... It looked like a... Um, Looked like a Duke 390, but like not. And when I got up next to him, it was a um, Grom. Totally all stunted out with like a little bit bigger wheels on it or something. Of course, it said Steady Garage on it. We live right down the street from Steady Garage. Steady Garage has been posting some really awesome uh, stuff on Instagram. They're going to, they were at the Super 73 uh, uh, bicycle event that happened on 7 3, get it? J- uh, July 3rd, you know, Super 73. Um, they were there. They customized the bike. Uh, it was really cool. They have always done rad Grom and monkey stuff, but man, they are going to be at the OG Moto Show again this year. Uh, it's going to be happening this September, and I cannot wait. That's that's like Southern California's version of the one when we get all these rad. Sometimes they're tour bikes, but a lot of time they're just crazy local uh, bikes local to SoCal, and and uh, it's really cool. I love the OG Moto Show, so I can't <clears throat> can't wait for it to come back. Um, also, so yeah, the, that has been going on. Uh, I handed the guy out some stickers, really cool. Talked to him a little bit. Pardon me, I'm about to die in here. Talked to him a little bit about the uh, his bike. It's really cool. Also, been uh, seeing a lot of people out in the wild. Um, rode out to the desert yesterday for no good reason except to grab an amazing uh, interview. We're gonna be talking to that. Uh, person on next week's show truly um, I don't want to say this week's word of the week but they do this uh, the word of the week um, and they are a truly creative writer great fabricator, student of the arts and uh, self-taught oops leaned on the button there rookie move, anyway yeah so stay tuned for next week's show Um, yeah, All right. We filled the patrons in. We filled everybody in on the writing. What else is there to talk about? Oh, uh, Junkie has been um, out of the uh, the workspace myself due to the heat. Been in and out of town a little bit. So I will be getting back on some projects and hopefully live streaming this stuff. Um, been trying to kick it out to Reddit and kick it out to Facebook. But... Uh, with that, uh, before I start blabbing about all that, let's get into some upcoming current events. Why don't we? Upcoming events, baby, baby. Upcoming events. You won't believe what's upcoming on your fence. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, if you didn't know what Sturgis is, Sturgis, South Dakota. Sturgis, West Virginia is happening. <laughs> yep, Sturgis is coming up, and uh, Girl on a Moto just had a great video with their uh, friend uh, Jessica Juice, I think her name is, and she is out there, um, you know, going to be get, get some really good tips on if you want to go to Sturgis for your first time, see what it's all about. Uh, also... Uh, we got the Long Beach Motorcycle Swap Meet coming up here uh, weekend after next. Um, what else is going on? There's 
there's a whole bunch of crap going on. Well, the Kernville campout's going on. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff I have saved, but I cannot get off of this. Uh, well, some of the biggest news, let's get into this real quick, too, before we get into our main topic. Some of the biggest news to pop out this week was the... Uh, oh, sorry, Tobor. I didn't realize this the buzzing was you. Um, some of the biggest week to pop, uh, news to pop out this week was the uh, Sportster S getting released from Harley-Davidson. Um, that was some big, big, big news. Uh, the Sportster S, let's review it real quick. Just just real quick. I'm not going to go too crazy into it. But uh, it is a 120 horsepower. Of course, they say 121 on the, uh, the website and on the NHTSA filing because they can't not battle with Indian. And the FTR uh, S is 120 horsepower. A little bit less torque, I think, than this thing, about 10 pounds. But uh, So the horsepower always has to be one more, just like they're... Pardon me. Their motors have to be one more cc than the uh, the Indians, all that stuff. So this is a great battle happening here. But um, yeah, I did want to say that they have that going for them. Uh, it's the Revolution Max uh, 1250T uh, motor that I kind of want to talk about. I don't know if we're gonna have time on this show, but I wanted to talk about it last week, and then. Uh, yeah, I eventually want to talk about this motor. It's phenomenal. Uh, it looks phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's a little too early right now uh, to talk about how it's going to run and how it's going to hold up because obviously it's brand, brand new, and only Harley-Davidson has had it uh, over the whole entire pandemic pretty much. Um, you know, they, they showed Pan America's like uh, in 2019 uh, at the IMS show, and then, of course, it didn't happen last year. So they've had this thing out and they've had it tested they let people um do some test rides this year on it but i know that they've <coughs> pardon me they've had to have been testing it so far uh so but they're the only ones that are gonna know how reliable this thing is and if there's any recalls gonna be happening but from the looks of it this the specs this the way this thing's laid out i just i love the way it looks so we'll we if we might talk about it uh we'll probably deep dive it next episode um the uh yeah 125 horsepower the weight as shipped is 486 and with with uh you add some oil and some gas to this baby you know gas is what six or seven pounds per gallon uh that is, takes it up to 502 pounds so still a lot lighter i think than the old sportsters which i think weighed in around uh 40 pounds more than that somewhere around there um yeah it's got a uh uh let me see it's got it's still got six speeds which is nice i believe it's got a three gallon fuel tank uh everyone's like oof you know my co-workers like oh oof 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 and i said listen three gallons maybe on an old air-cooled one hopefully this new water-cooled one's a little bit more efficient you know what i'm saying and more powerful so maybe that'll get you a little further down the road maybe more than 100 miles now um 486 pounds like i said is shipped uh, let's talk about this engine real quick. It is a four, uh, four by 0.13 inch bore and a 285 stroke. So this thing is way, way, uh, over square. Um, it's got uh, 74 cubic inch. So not too, too much more than the old Sportster 1200, of course, being a 1250. Uh, this is one of the very first times they've ever put horsepower down. You look at Harley-Davidson, they never, ever, ever, ever put horsepower down. And neither does any of the brands that are trying to copy them. 
And it's because when you have like an 1800 cc motor and it's making like 70 horsepower, it's embarrassing, right? When you got like the Ninja H2 uh, 1000cc motorcycle making 300 horsepower and you got like, you know, twice that making a third of the, uh, you know, an eighth of that, that's terrible. Uh, so anyway, uh, the lean angles aren't that great. I've seen a lot of people talking about the old, uh, what's it called, the, uh, the forward controls per usual in Harley-Davidson, but listen up, I got news for you. Um, they have uh, mid controls available on this thing. I've seen it online. Uh, let's look at the drivetrain. I believe it's a six-speed now. Yep, six-speed. I think the old sporties were five-speed. Uh, of course, we got dual overhead cams now. With like, we'll talk about the we'll talk about the engine layout next week. I just want to get into it. It's so amazing. Uh, and yeah, that's that's about it. Let's see what the tires are. Everybody's always worried about tire choices and all this and that. So that is one thing I did want to say. I think the tires are a little fat. Yeah, let's see. So the the front tires are 17. Uh, 160, 70, 17s. So at least they're 17s, but they got those fat, chunky Sportster style. And if you don't know, I think the old Sportsters were 16, 16, I think. I don't think they were 17, 16, but this, this one is 17, 16. Anybody will know that uh, pretty soon, Roland Sands, hell, even Harley Davidson may have a 17-inch um, rear, rear wheel for this thing. Uh, I forget. I think they're, I think they're spoke. Nope. They're cast. So yeah, you're stuck unless you go to a spoke wheel and you can relace a, uh, a, a bigger rim on there with longer spokes, but this thing looks phenomenal. I am sure that somebody's going to figure a way to get a 17 inch wheel on the back of there. Uh, and the, the fat tires, the back is, uh, 180 by 70, 16. And that is a little fat, but this is one model, I guarantee, I guarantee, with the success of the Pan Am, uh, we haven't really talked about it that much, but a whole bunch of the jobbers that I have and a whole bunch of the uh, the industry news uh, is just nothing but how much these Pan Americas are flying off the shelves. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, I'm not worried about Harley-Davidson um, having any trouble with their, uh, with their bikes, you know. Um, yeah, so that's, that's something that's great, great for Harley. I'm glad they're coming out with this. Maybe somebody, uh, maybe the next version, uh, will, will be like an uh, XR 1200 revival or a Roadster style revival with some slimmer tires. Maybe they will go to 17s. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to this. So that's awesome. I'm so glad that the, uh, the, uh, Sportster S is here and, uh, it's only 121 horsepower. It's got the same motor basically as the Pan Am, which makes 150. So think of that. Like it's already there. It's like a Tesla that you just have to get the, uh, uncorked version of. So yeah, we're going to see some great stuff coming out of Harley Davidson. I did want to say, um, got a lot of uh, comments on this baby and I kind of want to go through them now half of them through Instagram not so many through Reddit uh, and then also a couple on Facebook and somebody made a really good uh, made a good comment because I had already been posting last week about the Sportster S and the Harley Davidson class um, of racing and somebody said uh, I had mentioned last week that the uh, the hooligan GP and the Harley, uh, well, I shouldn't call it the Harley Racing League, but it pretty much is the Harley Racing League. Uh, Moto America has the Commission Tortilla King of the Baggers, right? 
Uh, there's also a separate league called the Bagger Racing League, and they have mostly Harleys and maybe one Indian in the Har- in the Bagger class, and then everything else is Harley Davidson pretty much, and the rules are all Harley Davidson, this and that. So uh, uh, my beef was that, you know, uh, in the Hooligan class, the specifications are air twin, uh, air-cooled V-twins that are American. They have to be push rod. Okay, fine. That eliminates... Indian <laughs> that eliminates any other twin. So basically, you're making a a, a league for Harleys. Why don't we just call it the Harley uh, Racing League? And that you know the guy for, that has the Indian bagger racing in the actual bagger class can like be the uh, you know the exception of the rule, okay? Because everything else is Harley. So they got the all year Harley Sportsters, all year XR 1200s, and. Uh, Let's see, Buell air-cooled Buells. Um, yeah, air-cooled Buells. So it's really weird. I just thought that with, uh, you know, being American twins, you would want to race against the uh, Indians as well, like at least a Scout, you know. It doesn't have to be a super light FTR. It could be a Scout or a Scout 60, but, yeah, they just not, not going for it. And somebody said, you know, uh, somebody's comment was, um, let me see here. What was their comment? Uh, they said something about, you know, maybe not such a great idea to have the uh, Indians or any of these newer bikes allowed in that class just to keep the prices down. And I thought, yeah, that's true. But I mean, honestly, uh, Indians have been around for a hot second. You know, there's got to be some old scouts or scout 60s out there. If there's if there's any year Harley Davidson, there's I guarantee there's going to be some newer uh, newer Harleys. Let's, let me get you this direct direct quote from uh, James. I'm not going to give the last name. It says, "I don't think the hooligan class should be the ultra modern models to keep the cost down." Fair play, but it is any year Harley Sportster. Why not make it any year other American V twin? Why not let some victories in there? Why not let some? Uh, Indians in there. If you don't want the brand, brand new Indians with the mega horsepower, let old victories come in there. I mean, the victory, uh, if there's some old ass Harleys in there, I guarantee, you know, victory's been around for quite a while too. So victory would have made a perfect rival, uh, as well as the, uh, the Indians. I just think that the, uh, the push rod thing is just ridiculous. Uh, anyway, Long story short, that was some of the comments on the racing leagues. Let's get to some of the comments uh, on the um, on the old uh, sports, the brand new sports or stuff that we got out here. So uh, a lot of people crying about it. A lot of people not happy with it because they ruined it, you know. So I put a post up that said, you know, old guys who like old crummy cars with basically drum brakes. You know, go look at Instagram if you want the whole thing. Anyway. That was my that was my reaction to all these people saying they ruined the Sportster. Man, they've made it better. And I don't know if I'm right about this, but I'm going to I'm just going to say that I'm right so that if I'm wrong, somebody will just correct you. If if you're like, "Hey, do I have this right?" like call in or write in and tell us if we got it right. Nobody'll do it. But if you're like, "This is absolutely the truth and it's wrong." Guaranteed. Somebody just as a uh as a modern human on the internet, we are compelled to put people in their place and correct them. So I'm going to go ahead and say this as definitive, that the Harley-Davidson Sportster line has been around longer 
than the glides. And so people were talking about them killing the sportsters for a while now. And I was like, there is no way. I've been telling this to my friend for a long time at work. I don't think that there is any way they'd kill the sportsters. They're like their loss leader. Ducati does not sell uh, thousands of Panigales, you know, and Diavels to make up their cost. What they sell is a crap ton of, of uh, scramblers. And, and that's why they have like 82,000 scrambler variants. Nobody ain't buying no monsters and hyper motards keeping Ducati alive and then like dropping coin on these crazy race bikes that are crappy to ride on the street. Everyone wants a scrambler though, you know, like they're just like the BMW scramblers, same sort of thing. Guess what? BMW ain't cranking out 84,000 uh, K1600 GTLs at $23,000 a piece starting. No, they're selling you pretty cheap GSs and R9T scramblers and all that jazz. So uh, this, I think the Sporty is Harley's uh, lost leader. It's a great first bike. Hell, at 120 horsepowers now, it's a great any bike, you know. Uh, so anyway, let's. Uh, I digress. You know, here I go off on this other topic. I want to tell you what. You know, I don't think they're ruining anything. I think they're they're doing awesome, especially uh, we'll talk about the live wire too. But anyway, Twisted Guy replies um, about this uh, post I have that says, hey, they're calling it sport. And if you go on Harley's website, he's 100% correct. They have a new category called sport. Uh, but with poor suspension travel, a single front rotor, and not running standard 17 wheel tire sizes, it looks more like a turd to me. And that my response is going to be just what I said a minute ago. Yeah. You're right. Fat tires equals no turn in. Uh, three inches of suspension travel. I mean, it's a low bike. It's basically the custom that they showed last year is really what it is. And they said it's our 1200 custom or 1250 custom. Turns out, boom, it's a Sportster. And it looks a lot like the old Sportster custom, sort of. Um, I mean, it's totally like a 2020 version of a, of a Harley. It doesn't have the skinny little exhaust pipes anymore. It's got these big, fat, European-looking plastic-covered blasters on it. Uh, but it does still have those big, fat, chunky tires that they started putting way back on the Sportster Custom 100 years ago, back in like 2010 or 29, whatever it was, when that thing got the big, fat, meaty tires. And then all of a sudden, boom, you start seeing them on everything. You know, Fat Bob, the Street Bob. They, uh, at one time, there wasn't much difference between a Dyna Wide Glide and a Dyna anything else, but now that they came out with this big, fat, chunky tire look, yeah, everything's getting that. And the Sportster Custom 1200 was one of the first bikes to ever have that. So I think this looks a lot more like an old Sportster than people are going to give it credit for. Um, but yes, I do agree. Fat tires, low suspension travel, but guess what? Just like the R9T when it first came out, there's been an R9T Turbangs, there's been an R9T Scrambler, there's been an R9T Pure, there's been an R9T Racer. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of, I, I guarantee, this Sportster is just the first one. Uh, and much like the Pan America, when people see those horsepower numbers and say, this is one of the most uh, powerful Harley Sportsters they've ever built, people are going to be all over this thing, you know, pretty soon. So we'll see enough customs and people going crazy with this thing before the factory even does that I guarantee somebody's going to make a hooligan bike out of this. Somebody's going to make a, uh, do a Rusty Butcher like jump bike out of this. You know, look at Rusty, what Rusty Butcher did with the uh, Sportster and tell me somebody's not going to do that with this 120 horsepower monster. So, 
Cliffornia says, yeah, they made more performance, but I hate the way it looks. If all I cares about was performance, I would have bought a Ducati. But I guarantee I'm not who they're aiming at anyways. And this is true. And I revised this post saying, hey, I'm not trying to shit on anybody that loves these old bikes, that loves pan heads and loves knuckleheads and, and loves, you know, f even flatheads from like this and the F heads from like the early part of the last century, right? There's a lot of heritage, a lot of, you know, hot, hot rods are cool, whether it's a car or a bike. Heritage is cool. Um, legacy is cool. Taking an old, you know, Crocker is awesome. Seeing old bikes from the 40s from Europe is awesome. So I'm not against old Harleys. I'm just saying, I don't want to see 2021 and 2022 with a goddamn motor that's been around since 1958 as well, you know? And the XR750, remember that bad boy? And they're still, they were still racing those up until 2015 when the XG came out. So that thing lasted 40 years, too long. Maybe if they'd gone to water-cooled stuff before, they wouldn't have had to pull out a flat track last year because they would have had it dialed in back in the 80s and 90s when everybody else went to water cooling. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that it's about time that they're coming out with a motor that finally makes 120 horsepower. That's not a friggin' race motor, right? So, uh, and he's right. They're not going for you. But you know what? As of this year, at least, there's still air-cooled Sportsters right alongside this new water-cooled Sportster S, which I think is an awesome... Uh, sign that Harley Davidson knows what people are looking for. They still have air-cooled twins that are just like, you know, head, you know, I don't know. They're, they're slightly cooled. Then they have the twin-cooled, uh, the big Milwaukee 8s ones we want to talk about. They have the baggers that are just regular, kind of air-oil-cooled, and then they still have the twin-cooled, you know, versions also. So they there's stuff existing alongside of each other right now in Harley's uh, workbook, and I think that that is smart for them to do. Uh, Moto ADV Rider says, as a 38-year-old curmudgeon, hey, I'm 101 years older than you, so I'm 139 years old. Welcome to Curmudgeon Club. Uh, three inches of suspension travel at the front and two inches at the rear is ridiculous. The balloon tires are equally ridiculous and the engine is amazing. Why are Harleys the only ones that come with hydraulically adjusted valves? So there you go. They are doing something great. They got this really cool, uh, a couple years ago, they put out a patent for some uh, adjustable valve timing. And I believe these new uh, motors have it. We'll talk about that next week if I can remember to bring this topic back up. Uh, again, somebody complaining about the suspension and the balloon tires. This is basically like a lowrider, like a custom, right? This is the first model they're putting out in the Sportster line. Wait until some more stuff comes out. Wait until the XR1200 version of this thing comes out. Wait until the Roadster version. Wait, you know, do you guys remember the 883 Huggers? Uh, they also had like the 883 Roadsters. You know, there's like a whole bunch of stuff. They had all sorts of different configurations uh, on the 883s, you know? And uh, I think they're gonna, I think this is just the beginning, the Bronx. Who knows if it's going to be called a Sportster Bronx? Who knows if they're going to actually bring it back at all? But I just have a feeling there's going to be a lot more stuff that Harley does. They're not just going to bring out one Sportster and be like, there you go. That's it for the next 25 years, just like the old Sportsters. We, you know, they're going to they're gonna keep going. Um, so anyway, that, let me see, anybody else on here? I think it was just uh, so far those three guys that 
uh, commented on here, aside from other people um, saying yes and other people saying ha 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 and other people just, uh, agreeing or disagreeing. So, uh, but that is, this is the most exciting thing that Harley's done in a while. Who knew the Pan America would be uh, exciting? I still think it looks ugly and like a whale shark, which is what I think I very first said when it first came out. Uh, but they're flying off the shelves like crazy. Um, and surprisingly the live wires are too and that's some more news uh, speaking of harley davidson some very important news coming out um is that the live wire we mentioned a couple podcasts ago i do believe that the live wire brand is going to be they're spinning live wire off into its own make um or and so the very first model from live wire is going to be called one so Excuse me, a Livewire 1 will run you about eight grand less than the current Harley Davidson Livewire. And uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe because the name Harley Davidson isn't attached to it. Maybe they've got a little bit of R&D money back from it. Um, these things can't be cheap to produce. But if they want to survive and they want to make it a viable thing, they can't throw the Harley name brand on it and just charge, you know, $10,000 more than everyone else. So to see it costing, I think, it, I think I saw some figure that said like 26% less than the, than the old one. So you're getting a 20% discount. Plus if you buy in California, there's tons of state and federal rebates that you get. And it ends up being like another like three or 5,000 bucks. So quite a bit of a discount there for you. Uh, if you get the, the live wire one, Colors are totally different than the uh, Harley-Davidson Livewire colors, but that's about the only difference. Everything else looks 100% the same, and yeah, why would you make a new bike, spin it off, and then totally redo it after you've been spending, I don't know, how long they've been working on this thing? Like, almost 10 years, right? Something like that? Like, it wasn't 20, like 14 or 2013, the first time they mentioned the Livewire uh, idea? And now it's 2020. We're like two years away or three years away from it being a decade. So, uh, yeah, they've been working on this for a bit. Good idea not changing it now. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Let's how, – how long have we been blabbing about Harley-Davidson now? Let's take another quick break. And um, this year I have been uh, trying to focus on women in uh, motorsports and women in motorcycles. And – on this episode, it's no different. We're going to have two of the most knowledgeable women joining us in our next segment to talk about motorbikes. And uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll get right back after that with more creative Bro Ohio podcast. All right, be back in a sec. Hey, everybody, this is Nathan Flats from Flats Tires, reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike. We've got tires, they're round, they're made of rubber. And we supply everything you need, including valve stems. The only thing you need to supply is the air. That's right. Come down to Flats Tires. We're on the corner of State Street and First down in Epperton. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed.
person needs some experience. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the third segment of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, episode 200 and, I don't know, 54, something something like that. Uh, on this week's show, our topic is going to be the 1300s. You may remember the 1300s. I'm not the mood. You know, when the Anabaptists uh, were flayed alive in Munich, when uh, sitting on a Judas chair was done just for fun. When they dipped you in oil for treason or just because they thought you were lying or heresy. Um, all the fun stuff that came out of the 1300s, like the Catherine wheel and, and all that fun stuff. Those are the 1300s we're talking about today, where every little kid fantasized about going back to and being a knight, fighting a dragon, only to realize that people were beheaded and <laughs> tortured for, for things like uh, sneezing in public. This week, the 1300s is going to be covering some motorcycles and with me on tonight's show we have two brothers from our sister podcast uh part of the moto one podcast network you may know them as the fellas with this famous saying two strokes are for white but uh it is not two strokes are for white trash it is there's no crying in motorcycle please welcome to the show moto gp and swiggy how you guys doing tonight oh we're doing good not too bad all right. I hope that drop came because I'm not monitoring myself. I hate this. This is one thing I hate about this platform we're recording on. Working here. Introduce us again. All right. Did hey did that drop come through? No. You didn't hear the two strokes okay. for white trash. Well, yeah. Hi everybody. <laughs> hey, this is good. I think I'm just gonna roll with this. This is brilliant. <laughs> so we've got our own fucking sound effects. Cause you know what, Junks? We're fucking professionals, right? That's why we fucking run this goddamn network. Is that why <laughs> two strokes are I just thought it was because uh I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what the beef is with the president, you know, whatever, whatever. He's, he came in here last week all pissed off, saying something about a gangbang, and I had no idea what he's talking about. Um, so, yeah, hey, listen, this week on the show, uh, I listened to your, your latest episode. Uh, I think it was 472. Awesome episode. And you guys were talking about the BMW being one of the worst bikes this week, right, in the world. And You're going to be more specific. Was, yeah. <laughs> uh, was, yeah, the Rockster. It was pretty filthy looking i mean it the way it looks is kind of fun but the question is why mm-hmm. like it, it it well we i don't know we don't need to go too much in the rocks here, but yeah, yeah. It, right styling, outlandish styling on its own isn't enough to condemn it it's the fact that it was also overly complicated and it was also more expensive and also underpowered as compared to every other bike in its category at the time right and you pretty much described almost every BMW of that era. And I forget what year that was, but I would like, uh, you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, oh, I, I think I remember liking the Rockster. You know, I can't remember all the BMWs I've looked at. And I, I looked back and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I didn't like the Rockster. Not one bit. It had that cheesy tiger striping. And every BMW motorcycle at that time, the front fenders to me really bugged me because they looked like they installed the fender and then stepped on them. And st- like they employed this big guy named Hans to just step on the front fenders and BMW front fenders from that era just looked terrible on every single bike that they were on. It but weirdly I- improved on the Rockster. In, on the original R1150R, it, it's even worse. It's what you're describing. And yeah. they kind of 
have evened it out a little bit for the Rockster, but not nearly enough to save the aesthetic of this bike. No, it still looked trashy and terrible. But yeah, every every fender, the F8, either the I think they were F800 um, at the time, or the R800s. That is probably what it was. I don't think they had the F yet, but the R800s, all of them just had these crummy fenders that looked like a uh, one of those trays that you get like a bratwurst in. They just like flipped that upside down and stuck it on as a front fender. They're horrible. But I, I wanted to step into, I started thinking about the BMWs that I like, you know, that I actually liked from around that era. And it brought me to this kind of under, this this underdog class and this kind of unsung hero class where I see a lot of bikes actually moving toward today. And this was about a decade, over a decade ago that this was happening. And it was these the 1300s. And there's a few bikes that I ha- made a list on. I thought I'd ask you guys on here because I know you guys have a lot of experience with just weird and wacky bikes. And 1300 is like a, a, a class of, you know, these are naked bikes specifically that I was thinking of. And there's not a whole hell of a lot of naked bikes out there that have really like hit home runs in the US um, or globally for that matter. Most of them are like between 650 and, you know, leader bikes. These, all of the bikes uh, on tonight's list are 1300, which you just really don't see a bunch of like super naked, um, you know, naked bikes that are uh, in, in this particular category. They kind of they kind of keep these naked bikes for like the MT09, the MT07, the Honda C, you know, CB650s, all that stuff. Is like, I just I I remember this being a smaller bike class, but to see these monsters in here really uh, got me thinking. And your BMW segment got me. Thinking about one of my favorite ones, um, and we're, we'll start off the list right here. Uh, well, actually, we're going to start off with a different bike. We'll, we'll save the BMW for a second. The first bike I want to talk about tonight that you may have forgot about, especially if you're in the States because they only sold it for like two years here, is the Suzuki B-King. Do you guys remember the B-King? Fuck I yeah. fucking yeah. love the B-King. I would rather have a B-King than a Hayabusa yeah. any day of the week. Mm-hmm. I love this motorcycle i love the insane headlight that i feel like the buell cr models were were kind of ripping off of it's it's the original insect headlight but it's 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 chunky enough to be satisfying it's more like a space helmet yeah yeah it's sort of sci-fi thing going on yeah it's a master chief than anything else and but the big thing that has to blow that that absolutely makes this bike just make waves everywhere it goes is I th- I think it's top three in the the coolest exhaust of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when this bike first came out, and I was looking at the data for it, and I'm looking at pictures of it and doing research on it for work, and. That was one of the very first things that caught me was, you know, you see a lot of Ducatis and and uh, what's a like MV Agusta. Um, you know, you see like a lot of Italian bikes styled with like underseat exhaust, a lot of GP replica bikes like that. You don't see a bike with two fucking cannons sticking out from under the ass. You know what I'm saying? Like these things are massive. They're they're in your face if you're behind it, like literally. And instead of trying to tuck it neatly under the tail or hide it like some of the Ducatis do, um, it they they put them out there. It was like, hey, it's like a you know, if you if you had a <laughs> if you're in India, you could ride a, a sixth passenger back there sitting on the cans. You know what I'm saying? They're huge. I could be wrong about this, but I think I remember hearing someone say that if 
you if you broke off the teeth, uh, you could fit the rear sprocket inside the opening of these things at the back. There's Maybe. That. Yeah, they are massive. They are For massive. People that don't know, you should break down what the Bee King is. Yeah, let's do it. So I took a couple, uh, most of the most of the quotes I got was from MCN, just because I love how the Brits like describe <laughs> the bike performance and stuff. Um, but this thing was, depending on what magazine you read, it, this is a Hayabusa motor, straight out of the Hayabusa, for 2009, which was one of the best years, K8, K9 is when you hear GSXRs talked about and Hayabusa's, uh, that was the, a good motor, the K, K8 motors. And um, roughly, they their estimates online were like 164 to 170 horsepower. Um, and MCN editor said, hey, it's got torque that can pull up trees. <laughs> so that, that is pretty accurate. Um, and they actually did a recent comparison. They updated their review of this thing just this year, uh, just a few months ago. And they said that the B King is still King of the Hill. It could run in the same league as the 300 horsepower supercharged Kawasaki ZH2, which is like, uh, Kawasaki's naked version of the Ninja H2. And also, yeah. And the KTM 1290 Super Duke R. And they said that the B-King is just even smoother than that. But what we're talking about here is a naked bike that looked like a transformer. Like you said, it did have like Master Chief styling. But it's we're talking about a bike that has the Hayabusa motor, one of the fastest production bikes ever made. You're stripping it down to naked. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, if, if like the... Um... If like the the Honda naked bikes were a transformer with their red, white, and blue going on, they'd kind of look. They'd be more Optimus Prime, and so you know we all we've all described some other bikes as looking like Bumblebee. This would be Starscream if it was a transformer. Right? Is that a Decepticon with uh, Starscream? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has Decepticon written all <laughs> over it. Search junkie. <laughs> uh, and I. One of the things that was crazy about this is that it ha- if you if you like the VMAX, I really like the VMAX, um, which the VMAX has got like a 1700cc, uh, I think. But it, but it kind of was, you know, power cruiser. This thing's a power sport, you know, a power naked, right? This thing's just a huge muscle bike. And it has those exo- uh, like intake scoops on the side, similar to the um, similar to the VMAX, only this is a much much more like an SV650 on steroids and then pumped up with uh, human growth hormone and then pumped up with, you know, something else, Viagra, yeah. I don't know. Danger of like sucking up wildlife. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The only thing more likely to suck a bird into the intake would have been the Buell 1125 uh, cafe racer. Yeah, with that huge air scoops. And this thing is weird because out of all that stuff that you're saying, like the headlight, um the turn signals sat on top of those things in this weird little, uh, I don't know, cover like body, the, what little body work yeah. it had. That's and where the turn signal. Yeah. Basically like the side of the tank like hangs out and yeah, the, it's so wide that you can just mount the turn signals on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love it. Cause it's not a sport tour and mm-hmm. it's not really a muscle bike. It's not really a sport bike it's not really a naked bike because there is so much body work it's not it's it's just a bee king yeah well it's it's a genuine muscle bike right it's a true original 
Well, yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the beauties of being completely outside of any sort of competitive like race class is that you don't have to like slim the bike down or follow the lines of like a like a super bike or a super sport and you can just kind of do whatever you want because uh, fuck it, you know, it's that we're not competing against anything. Do what you want. So it yeah. can be totally its own thing. Right. And to the speaking to that and those crazy wild exhausts, like most super bikes nowadays slim down at the back for airflow. The The tail either has like if you look at the new R1s and even the new um, Ducatis and stuff, the tail section has like winglets in it now and it's super slim and pointy at the back. And this thing had that super pointy tail but then the exhausts are just huge and wide like a whale tail coming out from underneath it so yeah they had this sport bike rear end with this huge cannons they look like laser blasters sticking out the back it really does look like uh, a transformer larger than like the subframe yeah (laughs) right and the thing is is that i've seen some pics of people riding these things on the track and it looks like you can lean it over further than the hayabusa because there is no cowling like the cowling, the bodywork is all up top. There's no cowling down below. So these guys are just tucking this thing uh, around the track and some of the pictures that I'd seen. Um, I think you got to be brave to take one of these around. Right. The track. I mean, sure. I, why not? It's it's fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this this uh, article is rating it at 179 horsepower. So that's you know that's getting up there. That's still that's more than even a lot of you know some bikes are coming now. Well, it's- uh, 179 horsepower but it's isn't it also a hundred plus foot pounds of torque uh, yeah it was something like it was something crazy like that it was it was it was a nutty nutty figures a hundred foot pounds of torque is a lot mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's we're, we're talking more than i think the uh, harley baggers which are famous for their torque are put, put one of it. yeah 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 so right and we're talking like quadruple the RPMs as a as a bagger too, and I think the the crazy thing though is in line with the bagger. I think that the a stock rear tire I want to say was like uh, uh, like almost as wide as like a Corvette front tire or something like that. Like that's one thing I do remember is that like the stock uh, tire in the back was huge just to try and get uh, a little meat on the ground to keep all that power um, planted, but. I think it affected turning on the track. It's a yeah. There you go. No, it's two hundred slash fifty. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, that's bigger than like almost every car. Even when I used to have a race car, I think the, they were two hundred fives. <laughs> so that's pretty dang wide. Um, yeah. So this thing, I I don't know. It's just one of it. it is. I agree. It, it it struck a lot of people the wrong way because it was so brash and new for its time. But if you look at bikes now, if you even look at the new GSX S 1000 that got re- redone a little bit, Suzuki is coming at it like Yamaha now where they're taking, uh, they're going to the junkyard and picking up like a bunch of scraps, throwing it at a bike and see what sticks. Cause if you look at the MT 10 and the MT 09, they're just getting, less and less stuff and this thing was just way ahead of its time especially if you think about the uh the beamers are moving toward 1300s you know they're going to be coming out with the r1300 i think uh next year um the the pan america came out at 
1250. And I don't know if you guys have read, but the news has already dropped that the new Sportster is going to be based on that 1250. So how many more years till that's a 1300, you know? So I think this bike was ahead of its time uh, just a little bit. And well, something in mind with this bike is that it was 07 to uh, 2012. Yeah. That long? Yeah, in the states it was only for two years, but I know that they made it was around. It had a cult following until, and they quit making it. Yeah. Period. I know until landed right at the start of the recession. Yeah, right. right I, yeah, this bike has aged unbelievably well. It, mm-hmm. it, you're talking about the styling; it has aged very well. This, if 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 you if you took a person that didn't know and took like a 2012 one of these and showed it to a non motorcycle person and went, hey, check it out, this is Suzuki's new thing, they'd go, whoa, that's crazy awesome looking. Right, and here's a here's a 20, uh, you know, 19 uh, MTO 10 or something. They'd be like, oh yeah, I can see they're about the same. Yeah, it 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 would be one of those ones that could come back with very little impact. Um, just make it Euro 5 compliant and you could bring this back, I'm sure. They've got a new Busa engine. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Right. There you go. Boom. Just drop that. Pull pull the uh, transformer out of the junkyard and put the new motor in it. And there you go. You got a turnkey, uh, a naked bike. Um, which brings me to the next bike I wanted to talk about. And this is what got me thinking about it. Your BMW talk last week. Uh, the BMW K1300R, which was also... I don't think it was in America as long as its production run either. And I think I was reading on Wikipedia today that it never came to the U.S., but I, I guarantee it did because I saw some in person. Um, and I know it I know it was in Canada a lot longer than it was here because I would always see Canadian brochures for it for at least two or three years after it was uh, quit b- being sold here. But it was available in the States. And that thing was also the same era. It was uh, 2009 to 15 similar horsepower has like 173 uh horsepower but the bmw beat the b king in a zero to 60 uh test done by bike magazine by one tenth of a second so just a little bit more oomph off the line or maybe it was a better response by the by the rider who knows one tenth of a second but the b king that's how good the b king is is it's keeping up with uh one of the only other competitors in this class at this time. And so it was the fastest naked bike. The BMW K1300R comes in as the fastest naked bike of all to- of that time. I don't know about all time, but um, I-, I distinctly remember this bike because it was one of the first bikes I had ever uh, had the pleasure of riding a manual for that had um, a Hossack front end. I was used to the BMW Telelever front ends, and this thing has a full-on like Hossack front end, and the way it goes together is crazy. Um, the telelever is crazy in and of itself because you have a, you know, forks moving up and down, but the handlebars aren't moving up and down, but watching how this thing worked was like a next level thing. Um, and the Brits had to say about this is that it was easier to chuck around than the fared K1300 GS. And that was because it had like higher bars and the ergonomics was a little bit different, which again, both the B-King and this K1300R remind me that bikes nowadays, you have all your ADV bikes, and really all they are is sport tours. They're kind of like touring bikes on dirt tires, right? So this K1300R, the B-King, they were a little bit more 
for, like you said, they're not sport bikes, but they're not quite sport tourers because they're naked and they don't have a lot of luggage. But the ergos on these things is, you know, looking forward 10 years now, 15 years from when these things came out, is leading us right to today's market where everybody's buying. You know, Harley Davidson's making a freaking ADV bike. Why? Because nobody wants to be sitting on a lazy boy, but you also don't want to be bent over on a sport bike for the rest of your life. And upright sport tours, hell, even like the ninjas and stuff are transitioning to this. And I think that the um, K1300R is one of those that really kind of like also set the bar for the time period. Yeah, so I've had – I was – fortunate enough to ride basically one of these it was a k1300s which is the same bike it's the same motor it's it might be a different exhaust but it's a it's pretty much the same tune it just has full body work but it's the same front suspension and i was really impressed by it really impressed these bikes uh, you know, you'd think all oh, the shaft drive must rob so much power. I, it's just got so much power; it doesn't matter. I, I, I kind of called it the uh, the Bambusa because <laughs> I mean, really, it was it, it, like a a, a a Hayabusa is a much more comfortable bike to ride than you think, and the BMW was ten times more comfortable again. Yeah. I thought to myself holy crap, this could be my only bike for a couple of years at least. I, I thought I could ride to work on this. I could ride across the country on this. Um, the 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 fuel mapping on it is just genius because you can ride it really tame around town and you can rip it open and there's just power everywhere. Right. And... Yeah, I, you know, and again, for all those people out there that think you have to tune everything to the max and send your, send your, um, you know, do your power commanders and all that crap. I mean, sometimes these things are done this way, so they're nice to ride around town and rip open. Right. So I, I'm a big fan of this bike. This naked styling, this is not the home run for me that the B-King is, but, it, you know, if you're into it, that's fine. Yeah, uh, and this one gets a better pass on the styling than the Rockster because it's not competing with total icons like the Street Triple and the Ducati Monster, right? Right, right. For both the height of style and performance, this is a very quirky class of bike. Yeah, it's so <clears throat> it's also got um a, a good thing going for it, which is. You know, these thing these bikes may not be all that compelling new just because of the price tag and there's there's not really a lot of street cred around them. But, you know, after the 80s K bikes, like everything like post 2000 is astonishingly cheap to pick up. Right. And they're all, they were always bought by enthusiasts. So if you end up being a second owner of one of these, you get them really cheap and they're in really good condition. Well, these bikes are interesting because it's not the the K bikes that we're familiar with from the 80s and whatever where it's the it's the flat inline 4. I'm thinking more these like are, the K1200. Yeah, well, well uh, yeah, anything that's a BMW that starts with a K is an inline motor, but these are inline across the frame. Like this yeah. is the engine set up as a Hayabusa. Yeah, these aren't the longitudinal ones. Right, yeah. yeah. These are across the frame like a like a crotch rocket or whatever. Right. Yeah, the the K1100 was like 
longitudinal, but these kit, yeah, these thirteen hundreds um, and the twelve hundred were, yeah, cro- were, were your big, standard setup. Dagger is uh, is across the frame like this as well, I believe. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, and and another thing about the XJR is, or not the XJR, the uh, K thirteen hundred R is when you see it. Um, you think of 1300 cc's and I, like i couldn't when i when the r1200 came out i tried to sit on that thing and my feet dangled about a two and a half feet above the the ground i sat on a bmw scooter the um the g650 or the c650 gt or whatever the heck it was at the time my feet dangled off the ground on that but the k1300s and the r is low i could i could at least get one foot on the ground uh on these things even just sitting on them and yeah they were a lot more comfy and uh rider friendly than you think and you hear 1300 cc's you think of like ooh, i'm on like a draft horse versus like a pony but really not and and um the b king and the k1300r weren't as light uh i mean you're, we're getting up here in the cc's so i mean the more more bike you have, obviously, the heavier it has to be. But one thing that's common with both of those bikes is that reviewers were saying when once you get going, you don't feel the weight anymore. You know, you feel like you're on a 300-pound sport bike, you know what I'm saying? And so that was something for me that was also really, really nice because getting on it, it wasn't intimidating to ride. It was, um, like I said, I could, at least if I could get one foot planted fl- flat, I was cool. And I... I forget if it was the S or the R, but I could get both feet down. So, I mean, it was just a nice benefit on top of being the stonking bike where when I get on the 1200 GS, like I, I needed a step stool to get on that. Even the K1300 GT was a little tall in the, in the crotch and, and these were just lowered. Um, they also had that ESA. So I don't know if the ESA was set different but because the BMW, that was the extra thing too. These things were were a decent price, but they started to do that BMW thing where you started to add ESA, which was the electronic suspension adjustment where you can soften it and do the ride height and all that fun stuff. It had the ABS uh, option and it had like ASC, which is their stability control and traction control. And, and you start to add all this stuff and pretty soon you're on like a $20,000 like naked bike so it the bmws are guilty of that but the thing is is that this this had that the b king didn't really have that and none of the other bikes on our list had that but that's one thing that bmw did do right is if you if you had the the dough you could certainly get one of these and you know basically have all the amenities on what most bikes came too dirt cheap to, to to have that option you know now you you've mentioned two very high tech very modern big 1300 nakeds can i can i suggest one to you that sort of is not the origin of this class but one a, a much earlier simpler example yeah let's do it the honda cb 1300 yeah that's on my list as honorable mention i don't really know much about this bike um, but well, I just, I just know that it exists. 1300, I believe is sort of the closest living relative to the old Honda CB 750. Now the, the CB 750 was definitely fast and whatever, but it wasn't just a straight up track oriented bike as it was made. Right. 
and 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 Honda CBs evolved and whatever. And then you know we had all these these moto journalists and these guys riding these hot six hundreds and seven fifties and one liter bikes through the eighties and nineties. And then a generation of these guys got older, and they wanted these bikes that were sort of much bigger, torquier versions of the bikes they had in the past, but they didn't have to be absolute screamers. They were sort of like, you know, in my 50s, I'd like to regain feeling in my hands again. (laughs) (laughs) And so thus the Honda CB1300, this sold for donkey's years in Europe. This is, I want to say this is late 90s they started making these things. Okay. Um, Yeah, I see on here, I just looked it up, and I see on MCN that they have one from 2005 to 13, which might be the second gen or something like that. That's um, so it's, 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 um, it's not super high tech. It's a liquid-cooled dual-overhead cam 1300 inline four that is in you know, very many, is in very many ways a, a CBR 1000 motor just blown up. But it's not, I don't think it's a monoshock. I think it's two rear shocks, kind of like a, a, like you'd think a CB750. It's a cradle frame. It's not a perimeter frame. Right. It's, it's kind of, it's almost more Nighthawk than it is anything else. Yeah. You know what? I'm looking at pictures. That is weird seeing dual rear shocks on a, what's ostensibly a modern naked. Yeah, I it's love it. CB, it's not a CBR, right? Right. Well, even though it's got like a essentially what's a CBR inspired motor just blown up, it's a Honda CB. I think this is kind of the closest thing or the most recent closest thing that Honda's made to a CB750. If they made a CB750 today, I think it would be more like this than it would be a CBR. Well, even if you look at the head on the heads on this engine, like it. It looks like an '80s CB motor. Yeah, yeah, with ex- yeah, except being liquid cooled. Yeah, yeah, it's that's sort of the idea is to take that idealized bike from these guys' youth in the '60s and '70s, and then in the late '90s, early 2000s, this was an old man bike. It was like, hey, this kind of stuff was cool when we were when we were coming up, and now here's the very comfortable old man version yeah it's only like 100 110 horsepower but it makes gigantic amounts of torque and it's under stress and it's going to be lower maintenance but it's the big boy cushy version right and this is sort of the starting philosophy for these 1300s you you hear 1300 you think like oh hayabusa and insane performance you think hyperbike but really it's a displacement that allows these bikes to be super cushy for old guys right right and and yeah looking at this this does it throw it's a throwback to the those exact riders that you were talking about and the fact that it doesn't seem like it's going to overpower you yeah this reminds me i really like the cb 1100s when they came out and then i think okay uh, i'll also be quiet (laughs) <laughs> hundred is not radically different from this the problem with the cb 1100 i mean you have to admit this is cooler than a cb 1100 yeah 
And it's because it kind of goes for it more than the 1100. The 1100 kind of doesn't know what it is. It's like, am I supposed to be retro? Am I supposed to be a modern interpretation of things? Am I supposed to just be where the CB line sits now? Am I supposed to be a CB750 in spirit? It doesn't really know what it is. Yeah. It, it, it looked retro, but this doesn't look like it's trying to be retro. It just looks like it is what it is, and it has retro elements mixed in with the other th- uh, 1300s of the time in this class, where it's like not 100% retro, but it's not you know, going for out the, out the window style. A 65-year-old moto journalist could ride. Yeah, yeah. And I see a fared version, but I don't know if that, because I also see ones that are just naked with the round headlight that looks a lot like, yeah, uh, was it the was like, uh, CB1? Is that? Oh, uh, the correct? CB1's a 1,000. Um, no, the CB1's a 400. Yeah, they uh, kind of look like this, though. No, I'm, think, I'm thinking about like uh, the big one. Uh, oh the big one yeah yeah yeah. um yeah it it, it's 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 kind of it's a little fz1 looking as well yeah when you said nighthawk i think that is a good i mean that's a pretty good uh yeah this looks to me a little bit like the cb1 a little bit night hockey like it's just it just is what it is it looks pretty i i would own one of these too i just like the styling um and this is one i didn't really know that much about let's see if they have a good uh a good quote about this one. Uh, nothing is nothing as good as the other ones. It just says if you're uh, uh, a classic early superbike lines crash head on with practical top fairing and inexpensive ABS option. So, yeah, I guess it was. Uh, you know, like you said, it's a it's one of those ones where it's practical. It's a it's a practical Honda that still doesn't lose, you know, it's it, like you're you're right about the CB1100s. They were trying to be too cafe racer for the cafe racer craze and that's probably why they're not around now, you know, even it's, though It's kind of the Cadillac thing. Throw a giant motor in there as a, for luxury, not for performance. There yeah, exactly. So that is a good one. And I had that on my list as honorable mention because I really didn't know too much about this bike. I, it just popped up when I was um, looking up the specs of the other stuff. It's been a while since I've seen these other 1300s. But uh, the last one I have on my list is another one that I've I've fawned over. And this is perfect for the moto journalist that turns 60 that doesn't want to get his hands vibrated off his wrists. Is the Yamaha XJR 1300. Um and I've seen the later versions of this. I didn't know it goes back as far as it did. It goes back to 1999. And the reason I picked all these bikes and the CB1300 fits in here perfectly is that right around 2009, when I think that's when your um, your Rockster uh, was, I think that was the year that you guys picked for that. Yeah. The, all of these were available in 2009 and including the CB1300 and including the XJR 1300. So... For the for the shittiness uh, that the Rockster spewed into the world, these bikes more than make up for uh, make up for it in this class that is gone now. But I see bikes like I said earlier inching toward again, and the XJR thirteen hundred kind of does exactly what you were talking about. This thing probably came in at the lowest horsepower uh, of all of these with only ninety six horsepower, but the the Brits say it had bags of thrust because it still had eighty foot pounds of torque, which is basically what a eighteen hundred cc Harley has. Um, and the first year of the thirteen hundred was ninety nine, 
and it straight up looked like a super bike from the 80s, which also this CB1300, that's what this reminds me of, like an old Bulldozer bike. You know what I'm saying? One yeah. of the ones where they would just put a number plate on the headlight, like take the lens off and put a number plate on there and then race that, you know, and that's exactly what the XJR and the CB1300 have in common that the B King and the K1300 don't is that they, they look like your eighties retro bike, you know, exactly like you were talking about these guys riding that stuff in the eighties, looking for it again in the two thousands. Um, so this thing, the XJR1300 looked like a super bike, um, a little bit of retro styling. It was a 1250, you know, so or 1251, something like that. So just enough to call it a 1300. Uh, and after 2001, it was upgraded every two years, which is kind of like the new standard. Every All these bikes keep getting upgraded every two years, whether it's for Euro regulations or just making stuff better. Uh, and it got lighter and better each time with like 2007 had fuel injection and it got that famous Yamaha X up exhaust that I think the... Uh, v V Max got and all that stuff. Um, it got an adjustable Olin suspension, um, and in two thousand and on, it came uh, pretty much like titan. I think it had titanium components on it or something like that. It came super light, and everything went to aluminum. Uh, got lightened up a lot because of you know just advancements from ninety nine to two thousand eleven in metallurgy, and became lighter. So that ninety six horsepower. Uh, power to weight ratio makes a difference there, I think. Um, and this is just one of those ones that performs smoothly. And it really was like the lower horsepower, but still fun because it's a th- grunty 1300 and you're not going to accidentally loop it or get caught doing like 187 miles an hour on it. You know what I'm saying? So this is another one. Never came to the States, but I, I've seen custom uh, 1300s online. And I just wish that it was one of the ones that had come over here, uh, you know, that we missed out on. And same with the you know, this a is, lot of these. This, this is more Nighthawk than the CB1300. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> this is the absolute definition of what we have described as a mature ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This is for someone who has become very comfortable with themselves and their riding style. They, they know how much power that they need to do what they want. And they're looking for a bike that has a, they, they don't mind a little extra weight because it, 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 the bike sort of carries well in the corners. They, they don't need insane suspension. They, they want a really gigantic, wide, comfy seat. They, they don't want a bagger. They don't want a cruiser, but they want it to be compromised enough that they can ride it all fucking day without breaking their back. This is, this is, this is one of the best last bikes you can own. Mm-hmm. And again, well, uh, you know, the, you wonder like, well, it's a 1300. Why does it only make 96 horsepower? Cause it's still air cooled and low maintenance, and also because it's just never going to die. Yeah, it's under stressed because the guys that buy these are like, I've done a million valve jobs, I've changed so much oil, I, you know, like I, I've built a jungle gym out of old worn out sprockets and chains. I want something that I just need to touch once, maybe twice a season. Yeah. And that's what this is. Yep. And it's got the 
power. It's got the it's got the torques when you need to get out from behind the UPS truck or get around the street super, but not get ran over by the kid on a civic in his civic. Passing power is incredible. Yeah, yeah, and but but like you mentioned, it is it's a sport bike that doesn't have clip-ons. It's got upright seating positions, so you're not gonna you know your arthritis and your back isn't gonna bug you, especially with that seat cradling your ass cheeks like you know, like an all state commercial with the hands. I should probably, should probably should edit that out, <laughs> but, but you get it. Like, yeah, this is, this is, this is a comfy thing. And you're right. This is for somebody that's not going to be, uh, you, you, you don't need the 300 pound, 1000, you know, leader bike to get you through the corners of the canyons. Cause you can still carve canyons on this thing at your pace, which is going up to get breakfast and come home, not trying to high side or low side yeah. in the corner in front of your buddies for Instagram. The, the 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 reason that I think these bikes died off is long way round. It's the adventure bikes because the adventure bikes introduced this whole other style and identity, right? All the like all the gear that you and Charlie wore, and the and the and the square boxes, and it was all this other place to go. Whereas these bikes, I think, were still associated with wraith racing leathers and helmets with silly graphics and wheelies and all that other kind of stuff. It was like, I, as much as we look at this now and we're like, that is so not a crotch rocket, you have to remember back in 2006. Uh, th- uh, uh, I, almost everybody in the United States, even you know people that were in the motorcycle world, described all bikes as Harleys or crotch rockets. True, True and there's yeah. really nothing in between. And it wasn't until the adventure bike that this other option appears. And it's like you know, I think this is a bike that made so much sense for so many you know, 35, 40 plus year old riders. And these really would have taken off here. But I felt, I feel like there was this hesitancy to be like, I can't become one of those crotch rocket idiots. Yeah. And right. Yeah. And we've already, we've already said too, that these, these emulate the super bikes of the eighties, but not the, obviously the racing, but you could never take this thing racing unless there was a class for these huge heavy bikes, but it emulates that. Well, I think the, I think the adventure bikes emulate what these things did. I think these things naturally appeared as great, big, comfy bikes for older riders that you know wanted a little bit of performance but didn't need insane performance they, they wanted compromised performance do you know what this is what's that this is the mini disc player of america yeah it just hit at just the wrong the wrong time yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Right. Because if you look at an Eddie Lawson replica like the Kawasaki's, and now you see the R900 RS coming back out, you know, or I'm sorry, the Z900 RS coming back out, this this thing was a little before its time, and maybe a little too big. I mean, maybe maybe a motor that big costs a little more to make or something. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, these came out at the wrong time, and now we're seeing a split. We're seeing adventure bikes, which are really just an excuse to have an upright 
uh, for for lack of a better term, like a cruiser or a standard. You know, they're basically just upright standards that we always joke. We see them at Starbucks more than you see them on a trail because guys that do real adventures either take stuff like a, a Triumph Tiger or they or a smaller bike like a KLR or Honda's uh, XL650. You know, I see a lot of those and, and Huskies. I see small stuff out on day rides around here in SoCal. And on longer rides, I see people packing up like they're, um, six fifties, you know, and, and eight hundreds like tiger eight hundreds. I never see people like out on the hard, hard trails on bigger bikes. And it's just an excuse to have a bike that can do it if you wanted to, which is kind of like replacing these with just something that has factory knobbies on it. You know what I'm saying? Well, like that are, that are 80% road for a lot of people, those big adventure bikes, the perk of it is that it is unquestionably expensive to the casual viewer. It's also unquestionably European. Yeah. yeah. It's KTM. It's BMW. It's Triumph. It's, yeah. I mean, now it's going to be Pan America as well, but mm-hmm. that's only just happening now because they're like, oh, because, I mean, you know, they've been eating Harley Davidson's lunch, but you know, part of it has been for a long time, like, Oh, well, you know, I want to ride motorcycles. I can't be one of those crotch rocket guys. I, I, I'm not a, um, I'm not a diehard Republican, so I can't have a Harley. Oh, this is very European. This is very advanced. This is, this makes me, feel politically correct to ride you know i feel like there's a lot of guys that felt feel more aligned with the very euroness of the adventure bike mm-hmm. and i think that is something that's been very because again it's it's important how a bike makes you feel and i think if a lot of people had tried bikes like these we would still have them today yeah. but there wasn't that 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 x factor right because you know these these things would strike an emotional chord with guys in europe because they remember seeing 750s race in the 80s and the stripped down 750s that they were racing in the 80s looked a lot like this yeah so it had a it had a very you know youthful but compromise it, it struck the right chord and americans just not interested not yeah. interested so unfortunately it's, it's the same reason it's the same reason why the xr 1200 did so well in europe and sold over the over there for more years than it did here even though it was a harley yep. is because uh yeah that style was was there i think if they would have bring something like that back now especially with the pan america and how uh, successful. I just like, I get, I get daily news briefings, you know, at work and all I'm reading from dealers across the States is how well the Pan, Pan America selling some of the guys around here, some of the, some of the Harley bros around here that did hooligan racing and stuff are going out and snatching Pan Americas. The guy that I know that has like, was an FXR tuner or builder for a little bit. He's got rid of all his bikes. He got a Pan America. It's like, I think if the XR1200 or XR1300 now came back using this new Pan America motor and they built something like this, we could see a revival of something like this. Speaking to that, what do you guys think of seeing things like this come back? Because we specifically focused on 1300s, but there's plenty of like naked style bikes that were out there. We, we didn't even mention the Bandit because it's a 
not a thirteen hundred, um, or the uh, the CBs, 50. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you know the Pan America is the key here, right? Because now Harley has realized, okay, we can do something that's not classic American cruiser. The as much as I think the Pan America is maybe not the most special motorcycle in and of itself. What the Pan America represents is, is you know, because Carly has done th- very unharley things in the past, but they try it, and at the first whiff of disapproval, they chicken out. Mm-hmm. But enough people were weirdly curious about the Pan America, and I'm not going to let a lot of people off the hook. I remember all the guys on Cleveland Moto talking about how they looked how they thought it looked fucking retarded and they would never be caught dead on one, right? I remember a lot of the misfits being like, I don't know about this. People are going to hate it. A lot of people were excited about the Bronx. A lot of people were excited about the live wire and the Pan America was the one that everyone was like, "Eh, that's a stupid idea. No one's going to buy a Harley Davidson adventure bike. But as the live wire wasn't adopted, as the Bronx got dropped, People are like, well, I guess this is the exciting option that we're left with. And so I think part of the excitement is it kind of got a little bit of the leftovers of people that were excited for the other bikes going, well, we have to be excited for this one now. But it doesn't matter. The public has <laughs> accepted it. it, it that, that, ha- the, that wall has been broken. For better, like for better, for worse, that wall has been broken. So now I think Harley Davidson could go back and actually do something like the Bronx can go back and do a new Sportster. Harley could make a full-on race bike, and everyone will be more willing to accept it because they're like, "Well, hey, wait a minute, I sat on a Pan America in a dealership, and I didn't turn gay." Yeah. Right. Surprisingly. But yeah, I, I think I think that seal is broken. So, you know, if, if if the doors open and now our option for a comfortable hundred to hundred and fifteen horsepower cruiser isn't an Africa Twin and a BMW twelve fifty GS, right? Now that other things are allowed to happen. I think the Pan America weirdly might be the end of adventure bikes because I think they've been so popular because they've been the most comfortable, viable cruiser. That's not a Harley. Right. Yeah. Good good point. So the Pan America might be the end of it, but it's going to lead to so many more other things. Like who knows what the next craze is going to be. I mean, there aren't really crazes anymore. Everything yeah, kind of it, all it, over the place all the time now. Right. It's kind of like it reminds me of motorcycle racing in America where you used to have one grand national champion based on his performance on dirt, you know, and and the track. And like it was exciting to watch. And now everything is just so segmented that there's not really it's like, hey, I'm into rockabilly still, even though it's 2021. And you're like, oh, that's great because I'm still into like hip hop and it's like yeah at one point these were like back when cape back when there wasn't 75,000 cable channels and there was like let's just say 20 um there were fads and now it's like there's just so many deep cable cuts that I feel like if you look at Honda just go to Honda's website and look at all the crap they're selling 
like there's a channel for everything now and, and, and it's all selling, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. There's not a, everything is so weird. I think it is a good time for Harley to get into the, uh, the adventure game. And, and sadly though, I just, I don't think we're ever going to see these 1300, na- these 1300 naked class come back until all bikes are just eventually 1300. Cause that's how much they have to make with the missions to still make the same horsepower. So we're just going to by default, see, uh, CB 650 R's that look like this, but they're 1300 CCs to, to pass, you know, and still make 90 horsepower or something like that. I don't know about that. I think the most likely bike that we're the bike that we're most likely to see that's similar to this because 1300 has kind of been replaced by 11 to 1200 which you know was the 1300s before the 1300s right like there's the z1100 and 1200 right, right. like remember like what was it uh, kawasaki made that inline six 1300 we're only gonna have to wait like six months until there's the 1300cc big bore kit for the rebel 1100 well what i was about <laughs> to say is i think it's not all that unlikely that honda might make a new cb bike with that africa twin motor and what i would do if i was honda is i would have another go at that cb 750 styling right and i would make a sort of cb 750 inspired bike and to differentiate it from the cb 1100 i'd just call it the cb twin oh that's a good one and then it would it would just it would have a honda could finally make amends for the 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 r series which are just embarrassing i saw one of those in the wild the other day um and uh yeah the you know the cb whatever number r and and the and the cb 1100 they could make it because because that's that was honda's bread and butter for so long they would love to bring that back but they just haven't been able to reignite that line i think the africa well that's because everything they've done in like the last eight years has just fallen into this weird sort of cb uncanny valley yeah yeah you know there are so many cb like i can't believe that they make a five you know a 300 a 500 a five they had a 550 for a hot second i think but they have a 500 a 600 a 650 you know what I'm saying? And then they have like the the um, 750 that's in like the NC, which is, I know it's not a CB motor, but it might, you might as well just plop it in the CB and call it the CB 750. They have so many uh, CBs right now as it is from the 300 up to the, the 650 that, yeah, it, it's crazy. Well, and then they have then the CB 1000. They do, but, you know, all the CBs right now, the CBs and the CBRs, it's kind of like ordering a Subway sandwich. There's no character. It's it's pick a frame, pick a motor, and, you know, classic or sport bike, and mash it all together. Like, it's... They're going to be a godsend so, in another 12 years, because there's going to be a shit ton of them, and they're going to be cheap as anything. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but there's... No one bike in that whole catalog is really setting out to do anything. It's just trying to plug. It's trying to do everything. And it, uh, I, Honda needs to do something about those bikes, but it's not, I'm not super. Yeah, make an 1100 CB twin. 
Yeah. That- yeah. I mean, Honda twins are where they twins are where they got their starts. Honda classically knows how to do twins, but bring twins back. Yeah. You know what? That's not a shabby idea because you got a bunch of twins in a whole bunch of other manufacturers that could bring this style of bike, like these 1300s, how they were like a class of their own that eventually like were, you know, we wouldn't be talking about them today if they were obviously still around in commonplace. The twin, pardon me, the twin class is something that could really grow some legs and take off because everybody's got a good one. If you're talking about the Honda, they, I mean, they have that 1100 twin all the way down to, um, you know, the 500 twin that they have. And Yamaha has a couple twins. They've got the, uh, the, um, the Tenere is a V twin, right? But, but, uh, or is it parallel? I forget, but uh, the 700 is a, is a, is a parallel. Plus they got the MT-07, um, the new R7, all that crap, you know, this new twins, twins thing. Suzuki still has some twins. So I think that that is, that's a cool, uh, and the, the Ninja 650, there you go. Boom. There's, there's a whole twins war that could, that could happen. Revive a little. In the direction of twins because it's cheaper to make. Mm Mm-hmm. There's is a huge cost edge to this, and you well, know, I, I have a solution to this. But Switch does have a solution, but you're gonna have to listen to Nokomoto the one fifty eight, one fifty nine. Okay, uh, nice. to, to hear about it. Um, it's 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 probably going to be a whole forty five minute segment of uh, a possible solution to getting big multi cylinder fun bikes back. Nice. But, well, yeah. To, we mentioned a bunch of Japanese bikes. There's also the BMW twins and the Triumph twins. I don't want to. I don't want to forget those because those are also parallels. There's there is a whole a whole uh, range, and and I'm KTM is famous for their singles, but um, I know they make uh, they've got to make twins. I'm not that familiar with KTM actually. That's um, one of the brands I know the least about. I but uh, much, they're they're. Well, they're undeniably good, but they're not not for very many miles, though. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're 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 high state of tune. They're they're. I don't think they're practical yeah. in general. But I mean, they're fun. It's I love that these that they're bonkers. Every KTM is bonkers, and it's a it's a, at the very least bonkers within its category. But they don't give a shit about longevity and ease of maintenance or things like that. It's hey, all about their their motto is ready to race, right? Their motto is ready to race, and we know any race bike gets torn down after every like second or third race. Exactly. I say we I say we get some uh, what is it the Husky seven hundred one, and slap two of those motors together and have a re reignite this thirteen hundred class, but as twins. The Super Duke. Is that what's? I'm, I'm pretty sure that is the 1290. The 701 is the 690 motor. It's just two of those cylinders is, and two of those cylinders together is the 1290. Yeah. Boom, dude. But let's do let's do a new 1300. KTM. They just use KTM motors. Yeah. So let's let's make a new 1300 class with just twins. That, you know that'd how be much awesome. Husqvarna is just KTM. There's a Husqvarna Moto Three team. And it is exactly a KTM race bike with just a Husqvarna logo on it. Right. They are, they are family, right? I mean, they or well, I guess Husaberg didn't like when KTM took Husky over, but they are basically the same company, right? I mean, 
Yeah. Well, so Husqvarna's are slightly cheaper versions of KTM's, and then Gas Gas are slightly cheaper versions of those again. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, hey, I think we figured out a lot of things. We figured out that this 1300 class was awesome while it lasted, but it's dead. And now I'm going to go have to look up some crazy fact from the 1100s. What did they do to people back then? And I, I don't know. You know, the 1100s and the 1300s probably weren't too different. You died from plague. You died at 40, and you had to wipe your ass with a, a leaf. And that's that. But we kind of transitioned from these 1300s into look at all these modern classes that we're, we're seeing here. And so maybe in a, maybe in another 10 years, if podcasting is still a thing and we're not just getting audio implanted straight into our brain, you, we can come back on and reminisce from our nursing homes about the bikes that we talked about today in like another 10 or 15 years and see if our, if our trends came true or if something cool came out of this. And there's another cool class of bikes that aren't extant at that time and that we, uh, we really miss. But yeah, guys, we're at an hour. So Nokomoto Bros, thank you so much for stopping in today and discussing the 1300s. Um, speaking of the 1300s, what was your favorite empire in power during the 1300s? Oh, crap. I got <laughs> and with that, we will talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll take a quick break and get back to the rest of the show. Uh, and uh, you guys take it easy up there in Colorado. All right, everybody, it's been fun, but I know you got to get back to work and uh, get back to riding and doing all that stuff that makes you a creative writer. And thanks for listening to this week's show. Uh, like I said, I don't think I can mention this enough times. Patrons, thank you so much. And NPC 2021 Challenge Riders, thank you. Packages are coming out this week, I guarantee. Sorry, I've been in and out of town, uh, in and out of the... Uh, uh, emails, checking to see where packages are. They everything's here finally. I'll be sending that stuff out. Solstice Slam winner or Solstice Slam Slim winner. Uh, Wiggins and I have been going to this BMX pump track by our house. We decided. Uh, I think I decided that's where the uh, feat of strength and or skill will come in. So if you have a suggestion, anybody right now, uh, yeah. There's a little BMX pump track. We might try to sneak some motorcycles down there. Is there anything you'd like to see me and potentially Wiggins do on a bike that could fairly determine the cha- the uh, Patreon winner of uh, Solstice Slam? Um, if you're a $5 or over patron, you are automatically entered into Solstice Slam. Whether or not you submit a story, nobody submitted a story this year, so I'm in no rush to... Uh, a crown a winner but i think it should be at least fun so anyways uh with that up your butt with the coconut and uh stay safe stay cool out there my god it's been so hot we'll probably talk about that next week um next week we do have another interview and i probably am finally gonna get around to some of the things i've been promising to talk about which is uh ownership of the uh long-term ride review of the uh scr 950 probably a long-term ride review of uh the vfr 750 and a long-term build of the kz 550 and uh yeah check us out i plan on doing some other cool stuff for patrons and live streaming check us out on reddit at creative 
underscore writing underscore pod. Reddit is a real fun place. I don't really consider it social media. It's not like showing your, you know, like Facebook and Instagram to me is kind of like a virtual refrigerator where you're putting all your pictures of your kids stuff and like, hey, look, a little flyer for town. I feel like Reddit is a little bit more involved. It's more like a community, forums, uh, pictures, links to YouTube, uh, links to websites, all that great stuff that you can kind of do on Facebook, but not the clunky Facebook um, interface or all the Mark Zuckerberg to worry about. So anyway, uh, long story short, um, we're over there. We're on Twitter and as creative underscore writer we're on tumblr as creative dash writing we're on the web once in a while we update our blog now and then when we get time nowadays at creative-writing.com um hit us up creative writing podcast at gmail.com slide into our dms real slowly please on uh, instagram or facebook at creative writing podcast and uh other than that have a good one and uh thank you new patron and uh yeah everybody get out there have some fun and uh, don't run over any um what's it called live live uh wildlife all right that's it talk to you later Consideration for Creative Writing Podcast is brought to you by the American Rubber Foundation, not the rubber that you use to put on your genitalia to quit from having children, but the rubber that's put into each and every tire at Flats Tires Companies. Flats Tires encourages you to bring your tire in there. They provide you everything but the air. Our tires are round and soft and made of rubber. Not those synthetic tires made of oils or woods. Come down to Flats Tires and thanks and generous uh, support and participation for the American Rubber Association. My dog's having a heart attack. Goodbye.